Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 49. Suns fan here with the great Cinderin, the one, the only. How are you? I'm good, Shannon. How are you? I'm great. We're actually recording this earlier than usual, as you can tell by my backdrop being very light and bright, unlike my usual setting. And it's because we are casting uh, stuff that we'll talk about in a minute that requires me That's to be up. That's why my background is dark. Well, your background looks exactly the same as always. Not it's a bit lie. darker. Slightly. Uh, but it requires me to be up at 6 a.m. I don't know how long this is going to be a thing. We'll see. Uh, we'll let you know. <laughs> But it's only going to affect the the Twitch live stream. Otherwise, we'll be posted at the same time anyway. Yeah. Uh, so we have some Patreon shout-outs, Cinderin. Oh, we do. Oh, but we do. I'll do the first half, or you can do it. doesn't matter. Whichever one you want to do. You go ahead. Keep in mind, guys, for those that we're going to shout-out, I get some messages occasionally like, oh, you should, can you call me this instead of this? You can change your name in Patreon. So that I don't have to think about this every single week. But I do have notes for a couple people. So first and foremost is underscore man, my boy, my top (laughs) donator on my stream as well. I don't know who he is, but he's definitely a Saudi prince. Uh, Also, Ben Broomhead, Ben Jackson, Blaze. Is that the Blaze? I don't know. Chosnek Pizda, DG, Dopper, a.k.a. Dop. My boy as well. Deepuria sounds Iranian. Uh, dyslexic lawyer. Fane. GG Gamer 74. Anonymous. You can take over from here, Cinderin. Oh, so then we got to the hard name, so then I can take it. Okay. Milos Gavrilovich. Nivnav. Novi Panda. Perch Black. Runny Keel. Terry Tip. The Coward. Fellowship of the Ping. Vincent Moore. Wooden Aftertaste, and Zero Ecdota. Thank you guys so much for the big support. You are the brunt of the support for this podcast, so really appreciate you guys funding this. Um, If you're a listener or a viewer and you're interested in checking this out, there is a link on the screen. If you're listening to it, you will have to go to patreon.com slash we say things if you want to chip in and support the podcast. Um, so thanks to everybody that's done it. Uh, we're looking into and thinking about how we can incentivize more in the future uh, to give more back to you guys. But for now, this is what it is. Yes, thank and, you very much. Yeah, we're super happy with um, with all the support we've got. So good shit. Yep, good shit indeed. Uh, remember last good week when I said it was our one year anniversary? I lied. Yeah, it oh, is man. now our one week <laughs> or one year anniversary, Cinderin. Uh, April 22nd, to be exact. I don't know how I thought it was last week. That's incredible. So that means we only missed three weeks, two of which I think were TI, and the one where I lost my voice and you refused to do it, which was technically your fault, not mine, because I, mean, I wanted to do it. People would have hated voice. it. Yes. 
I, I like this as a running gag that it's our one year anniversary every week. <laughs> so the next week, it's also our one year anniversary. Technically, oh. it won't be. I mean, yeah, it's technically true next week as well. So <laughs> why not? We can keep it up. Um, another thing I want to talk about before we officially get started is have you heard of The Last Dance, Cinderin? No. So there's this new documentary that people are going crazy for in the U.S. since there's no basketball right now about Michael mm-hmm. Jordan and the 97-98 Bulls. Apparently, they had a documentary crew follow them around the entire year, basically unprecedented access. And I read about this a bit online. It was complete. Like The only reason they were okay doing this, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan and the rest of the team, is Michael Jordan got the say whether they ever got to use the footage which apparently was always a no until recently this is over 20 years of hidden footage that no one's ever seen and they made it into a 10-part documentary series and they're showing two every week for the next five weeks and i watched the first two episodes last night and it's pretty fucking good i'm not gonna lie maybe a little sad seeing some highlights of the sun's losing but aside from that it is really cool you guys should check it out wow are you yeah, a big Michael Jordan basketball. fan? Yes. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to watch that, Shannon. Thank you. Okay. Just add it to your endless list of things. But we were casting today, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a second. And apparently, Cinderin, the last movie you have seen is what in the theaters? The last movie I've seen in the theater, I think, is Detective Pikachu. I think so. Yes. Do you find anything wrong with that? No. Why? Because it's been too long? Yes. We don't go to the movies that often. We watch stuff at home on Netflix. We just don't go to the cinema uh, that often. Are you sure you watch stuff on Netflix? I, yeah, there's we do. a couple movies that you can literally watch on Netflix now that we watch things. Yeah, but might not. unburden Because now you. I'm doing the podcast. You know, this creates a lot of stress in our relationship that you haven't seen certain things before, like me naked and in Bruges. Mm, yes. Choose, choose which one you want. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to the point. We're casting uh, the We Play tournament. Uh, is it actually we called Pushka? Pushka? What I does think Pushka so. mean? Pushka. Is that a, what is that? Don't know. I think you Ka don't. is an ending you can put on words in uh, in Russian that makes it. Does it make it small? Like if you say Pushka, then it's a little push. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if it's a suffix that means that or something else. It's a suffix that in Russian. You put doesn't clear anything up for me. But anyway, we're I, casting I, that tournament. Uh, we've yep. been, we're doing a couple of the days for the qualifiers, and we haven't been scheduled officially yet. But we'll be doing some of the the main bracket as well. So it will be fun. So check that out. Uh, you want to talk about the ESL EU slash CIS yes. conclusion by any chance? So there? we did uh, we did quite a lead into this or, or talk about this last week with the other regions, and then Europe was exciting and up for grabs. And obviously now Europe is concluded. Um, unfortunately, I have messed up a little bit here, so I need to find it again. Yeah, let's just do this live. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, know, don't be great. prepared. Don't worry about it. This All will right, be a really short it. episode, other than Cinder and Googling. So, Every single topic. No, it's okay, Shan. I've got it. I've got it. I just didn't have it ready. So, um, yeah. So last time we talked about the big surprises in terms of how well they were doing was Viking GG and Chicken Fighters. Uh, and when it came down to the playoff bracket, we obviously have found our top three. And the biggest surprise to everybody is Viking GG got third. They made the podium. Fourth place was Chicken Fighters. These two teams finished ahead of teams like Nigma, Secret, and Alliance. 
Secret got 5th, 6th, and Enigma and Alliance got 7th, 8th. So Viking GG and Chicken Fighters had an awesome tournament. And then the Grand Finals was a very close best of five between VP and OG, where OG barely lost. So VP clinched the victory 3-2 to two in that finals, which was full of some one-sided games, and I believe game five was really close. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't watch the whole best of five series, but overall... The, the parts that I watched of these games were pretty one-sided and dominant, which is kind of a sign of the patch. Like, the games are relatively fast. If a team gets off to a good lead, they generally ride at home. But there, there were some, some turnarounds as well. Um, so, overall... Chicken Fighters, like you said, got fourth, right? Mm-hmm. Which I was expecting them to do quite well in our today's cast that we did, where they faced against OG Seed, and OG Seed pooped on them pretty hard. Yep. They got so. destroyed today. Not sure if it was just not their day or if OGC is that much better. We'll see. That's hard to say. We'll find out soon enough during this, I'm sure. Indeed. But it's it's a very volatile time. So you can do very well one week and then the next week things can swing around because meta is changing nonstop and teams are figuring things out. The ones that were a little bit behind the eight ball on how to play aggressive and how to play fast, you give them five days to catch up and all of a sudden the balance can shift really fast. Mm-hmm. If we play this tournament again, Secret is probably not getting sixth, right? Uh, I don't think so, at least. But, you know, that's how competition is. Sometimes sometimes things swing around. Sometimes you lose. That's a very very famous quote, I'm sure. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) so there is a new patch, Cinderin, which in its name, it's 7.26, which sounds like a big deal, okay? Usually, there's this huge patch with these new numbers that you start off with the the whole numbers without the A's, the B's, the C's. I open this, and I see literally four lines of text, which means we can analyze this line by line, and it will only take five minutes. So let's do that. So Yeah, well, let's do it. The first line says, this release is focused only on the following systematic changes. Once these changes settle a bit, there will be a follow-up hero and item-specific adjustments. So technically, okay, so, that's not even a line of the patch notes. So the analysis of this for me is that it says that mm-hmm. we have this now, and there will be other stuff coming later. See, and the other stuff that yes. comes later will be about heroes and items. Correct. See, I, I read that, and I thought the same thing as well. So I'm glad nice. we're on the same wavelength. So the second, the second line says, Attributes no longer provide magic resistance, spell amp, and move speed via strength, int, and agility, respectively. So... I have mixed feelings about this, Cinderin. Mm-hmm. First of all, I wasn't a huge fan when they changed this. So let me, if we can back up a bit. Right. Uh, as of like three, four years ago, I want to say, is when I started to notice patch notes change to, I would say it's not all-encompassing, of course, but generally try to be more casual in nature, like easier to mm-hmm. understand. They're trying to simplify a lot of the mechanics. And then when they added this a couple years ago where each attribute, in addition to the stuff that it already gives, the HP, the int, and the armor, and attack speed, I guess, uh, it gave all these extra things. So I was like, eh, that feels like it's overcomplicated. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And now they're just getting rid of it again, which right. is also weird because it becomes even harder <laughs> to keep up with this shit, man. Like, am I crazy? Right. Like, you can't make these huge think, changes and then just revert them two years later. It's weird. Shrines are gone I now. I honestly think this probably never should have been in the game. Well, yeah. That's my opinion. I don't think this added complexity to the attributes was good or necessary. And I think the judgment now is that it isn't. 
the problem is they've done tons of balancing over the last two years to, you know, complement these changes. And now that all of this is reverted, then a lot of heroes are suffering. So, for example, since agility doesn't give movement speed anymore, agility carries are slow. They all lost movement speed to, you know, complement the fact that they got move speed from agility. So it balanced mm-hmm. out in the end. And that means agility carries in mid game and late game are way slower than they used to be, which in some cases is fine. Like many would argue agility carries were too fast. And I agree. The problem is they're too slow in the beginning of the game now. So mm-hmm. early levels to mid game agility carries, most of them need a flat move speed buff now. Uh, that is obviously coming, but they don't have yet. So the current patch, some heroes got butchered and others didn't. And it's kind of, you know, seemingly at random because there's no adjustments made for the individual hero yet. Second biggest losers are strength heroes, in my opinion. Magic resistance was a big part of what made strength heroes good. They all lost that now. So the tanky strength heroes are way less tanky, like Centaur, Underlord, uh, Beastmaster, these kind of heroes. And then the intelligence part, losing the spell amp, I think is the least significant one. It matters a lot on a few heroes, like Leshrac and Zeus, but on a lot of others, it's not that big of a deal. Like the support end heroes, you know. So it's not so big. I agree. And it's funny you say that, though, because do you remember back when this change was originally implemented a couple years ago? I feel like most people were focusing on the spell amp being the mm-hmm. of the three the most important or the craziest or the thing they wanted to talk about the most and it just felt like you couldn't even tell the difference half the time you know um of course that's not entirely true there's some like right. zeus for example i think it's pretty noticeable uh considering like just arc lightning a creep for example you can tell late game um yeah. but yeah reverting this back now uh, you talked about the the move speed changes. I'm sure there's been a lot of heroes that have had their strength gain nerfed because of this, mm-hmm. right? And so now are underpowered as a result. So I think this next patch, I'm sure they're going to be doing more than this, but I bet you most of the changes are going to be literal just attributes starting and yeah, uh, gaining, I think so too. I which, think it's necessary. From a casual standpoint, is boring, but it's going to be needed after these changes. So. Mm-hmm. I agree. So the the next thing, gold bounties reduced by ten percent. This affects buildings, lane creeps, neutrals, and heroes. And the kill streak gold has been reduced by fifty percent, which I'm sure you've been uh, very happy to learn. Is yeah, this noticeable so in the game? I would say, I mean, ten percent is you notice it for sure. Like item timings seem off. People get their items later, uh, and once again, some heroes suffer a lot more from this. The problem is that I think the intention of this, we were getting really snowball-y and fast games overall. Games were quick. So the logic here was that, well, if we reduce the gold bounty for everyone, the games are going to be slower because heroes get powerful items later, which is true. But it also means that the heroes that get them earliest get them that much more relatively early than the others do. If you have an item timing at minute 12 and another carry has one at minute 20, you will obviously get yours. You will have your lead for a longer time relatively, Mm. right? That means that the snowbally and cost-efficient carries are now even better, and the slow carries are even worse. Uh, and I don't think that was the intention of this. So I think they might actually change this in 726A, where they find ways of adjusting this uh, rather than just a flat 10% decrease. Especially because this last point where the kill streak gold is reduced by 50% now also means that if you are playing against these high-tempo carries, if they get ahead and you win a fight against them, your bounty is not that big. We actually had a game we cast today, right? The OG seed had like a 12k gold lead, and then they screwed up big time and got team wiped, and they lost like 2 to 3k gold. 
So pulling a comeback is really difficult, and therefore you need to be able to fight a lot of the time. Uh, It's not impossible, of course. There are some strategies. OG uh, recently did a ridiculous base defense in one of the games in ESL1, which was fantastic. They had the most absurd win against Secret. Um, Was that on this patch? How long ago was yeah, that? Uh, I think it was on 726. It could okay. have been the day before. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but yeah, they had a ridiculous base defense in that game. If you haven't watched it, you should check it out. It's yeah, it was a pretty insane. crazy ending. Um, um, yeah, that's the patch for now. I'm sure 726A will come out in a few days probably because the game is needs healing right now. Yeah, I, I would expect the patch to be extremely long in terms of the line possible, versus yeah. the 7.26, which was quite disappointing, I have to say. Mm. Uh, but I, I would say more heroes than not will be touched in terms of the attributes, if not all, honestly. I think this just changes right. so much. Uh, next thing on the list is PPD has retired from Dota 2, Cinder. This is his second retirement, I believe. The first one, I believe he retired and then became the CEO of EG. I don't remember if his wording back then was retiring. True. Maybe it was a break. I'm not sure. I think he was on break or taking a step back or exploring other options at the time. Mm-hmm. I think that was the wording back then. But knowing PPD and the way this is worded and everything, I think this is going to last, actually. I know a lot of people pull retirements in Dota and come back. Uh, but I, I think PPD, the, the way he has written it, so let me just, uh, let me find his tweet, uh, which I think, so both he and NIP made a statement, but I think uh, PPD's personal one has a bit more depth because it's talking a little bit more hi- more about his personal reasons rather than, you know, the blank statement from the org. So mm-hmm. I'll just read it out loud here. So the title of his post is Moving On, Retiring from Competitive Dota 2. Hey, everyone, I wanted to write a few things publicly about my decision to step away from Competitive Dota 2. I've spent just about the entirety of my 20s competing in video game competitions, and at this point in my life, almost 29, I'm looking for something else that I do not think I can find in my current position. Today I find myself focused on personal growth rather than competition versus others, and because of that I feel like I have lost the grit and ambition necessary for myself to be the competitor I'm comfortable being. I don't feel bad about it, as I believe believe change is healthy, and I'm eager to do something amazing and new in my 30s. I'll be forever grateful to the people who believed in my abilities and saw the potential that I always believed I had, no matter how objectively poor things may have looked in any particular moment. I want to thank all the fans and players of Dota 2, whether you like me or not, for the amazing world you created and allowed me to exist in. So, clearly, it sounds like this is a true retirement. Most of the time when people pull these retirements in quotation marks in Dota, it's like, I'm quitting the game. Uh, thanks for all your support, right? But yeah. it sounds like this is like there's way more depth to this than the usual retirement post. Like it's really thought through. He has other goals he wants to pursue. He has tried being a CEO of EG for a year. Maybe he has a bit of a taste for the business side of things. Maybe he's looking to have a, have children. Uh, who knows? Like it could be where, anything. Where he's talking about from? personal. <laughs> I mean, okay. he's no, talking about fine. personal growth. It, it could be. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like it could no, be that's anything. True. Right. Okay. So whatever personal growth means to him, for some people, personal growth is a big part of that is having a family. Um, if I mean, I'm I've not heard anything, so don't start any rumors based on this. It's pure speculation, like that kind of thing where you start doing something else, right? Like being a top competitor in Dota two and having a child can be difficult. I think there's a few that are juggling it. I do believe in Dota right now, but 
it, it's got to be tough. Like Ice 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 has a kid. I think it's mainly SEA players actually that have kids. Um, but anyway, beside the point, whatever he wants to do, if it's work or personal life, I mean, I, I wish could him see best him of luck. Uh, casting for sure. He's been an amazing Possibly. caster in the past. If you remember, it's also possible he will do nothing in Dota, and I think true. people need to accept and be willing to, uh, like, just be willing to accept the fact that he might just not want to do Dota anymore. Just mm-hmm. like Jerax, right? Who supposedly is gone. Uh, we don't know if that's staying, right? Like, you never know. Maybe he gets the hunger back, but it sounds like these people are looking for something else in their lives, and that's very normal. It is. If anything, it's actually very unusual how extremely glued our pro scene is to the game. Like, the relative number of people that quit is really low, I think. Like, people are very committed in this game. I mean, uh, compared to how difficult it is and how big of a toll it takes. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because it's not exactly like other games where, like, if you're a Fortnite player, it's not like you can't switch to Apex or now Valorant. Like, you might not be as good, but you'd have that. You have an avenue, mm-hmm. but in Dota, it just feels like... I mean, maybe it's just the MOBA genre as a whole. Like, you don't see many league players coming to Dota either, right? No. But if you compare it to, like, traditional sports, uh, it makes more sense why it's easier to transition because you know you have this set amount of time that you're going to be good. Because once mm-hmm. you get to a certain stage, like in basketball, you get to your mid to late 30s, your father time is catching up with you. You actually are not good at your job anymore. So that's when you have to right. start truly thinking about whether transitioning into broadcasting or whatever else may come. But for mm-hmm. esports, right. in theory, you can be an 80-year-old man and still play Dota professionally. You in might, theory. In theory. Yeah. We, haven't, we don't know if that's <laughs> we don't possible. Know. We don't know. But well, Some it of the is best possible. players in the world right now are older than PPD. So it's not an age yeah. issue. It is not. Um, but yeah. Uh, like... I don't want to make too much of a eulogy out of this, but obviously... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dead, we're, t- we're talking about it very... Exactly, we're talking about it really seriously, but uh, I think it's worth mentioning, like, if you do want to talk about the main things PPD did for the game, I think the biggest overall thing that he did was put NA on the map in a time when NA sucked in Dota. Yep. He has a really... He played a big role in making that region competitive, which has been extremely good for the game. So I think that's his biggest contribution. Like a lot of people will think about he won TI, that was amazing. And that's a big personal accomplishment for him, obviously. But the biggest thing for the game was that the region actually became competitive after it had been shit for two years. Like barely done anything good. Suddenly this team starts being good. And he obviously has a, a huge share in that. And that has done a lot for the scene because it has made NA teams in the future. They haven't won TI, but they've been way more competitive. The scene has been better. There's been more sponsorships, more attention, more leagues as a result of EG's success. So I think NA owes a lot to this guy. Uh, and obviously the rest of his team, it wasn't a one-man effort, right? Let's not kid ourselves. But obviously he played a huge role. So um, yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing about uh, about PPD and Dota, I think. A true legend well, of our time, see. no doubt. Let's, see, you think what, NA, let's see what he does. No idea. You think NA, like OG people, not the team, of course. Uh, think of Fear, think of PPD. Those are the two names that come up immediately in my head. Um. Yeah, he's definitely. I mean, he. Oh yeah, Fear he, has a kid too. Actually, he was involved in NA, <laughs> uh, NACL, NADCL, NADCL. Yeah. So definitely been pushing a lot of in-house leagues and professional Dota within NA. So couldn't agree more. Wish him the best of luck in whatever he decides to do. I'm sure he'll be Speaking successful. Speaking of EG. Speaking of EG, <laughs> uh, they lost to Cloud Nine. So last week we were talking about how Cloud Nine has been, I think, awful is an understatement. They were. 
like two and nineteen or something like that in terms of win losses. Very bad win loss. Very very bad. Uh, and in the BTS Pro Series, they were close to getting the three two two, which everyone was hoping for, Cinderin. But they disappointed mm-hmm. everyone by not only beating EG two one. Let me find the exact series here. I have them here. All right, tell then me they beat, what else did they win? Then they beat, they beat Furia 2 0, mm-hmm. and then they beat Beast Coast 2 0. Wow. So they're on a hot streak of winning three matches in a row after losing pretty much everything they could. Yeah. So the moment we talked about them, they got good. So good work. Well done, guys. Se- seems like anytime you have anything to do with misery that isn't good, misery gets good. So you should just, <laughs> if you want misery to win, you just talk about him. There you go. Yeah, just bring them up every now and then. Uh, to be I fair, mean, though, what they did do, they made a big uh, inter-team change for now, or intra-team change. Misery is playing position three. Uh, that's the big change that they've made. He's playing core, and they've put snaking on support. And hard to explain exactly why this makes such a huge difference, but in their team dynamic, it's clearly, at least short-term, has produced results. So I'm sure yeah. they're going to continue with that for now. Uh, and they're probably motivated and happy to start picking up some steam. That's got to be. It's got to feel really good after such a drought to to get some wins. So I feel like misery played a bit of off lane before on. I want to say it was secret. He played it on secret when he won a major. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I think it's been mostly five and four throughout his whole career. Yep. So we'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Uh, everyone's keeping an eye on them, of course. Um, yep. So another thing occurred this week, Cinderin, that was apparently mm-hmm. a big deal. Um, CSGO has now eclipsed Dota in terms of an all-time peak player base yep. on at one time. So let's talk about these. Well, let's talk about the top five on this list. So this is from <laughs> Steam. The top five played game, not like over time, but of one day, what the peak highest uh, one day player peak. base is. So number five, do you want to go in that order or do you want to go from the top? Top to bottom. Okay. As in top number one. Yeah. So number one of all time is PUBG with 3.2. far. Yeah. 3.2 million. Not even close to anybody else. All on their own. And boy, has that game gone downhill. Holy shit. That's another story entirely. Um, number two is now CSGO with 1.3 million. Dota is now third with 1.295 million. So not that far behind, but probably Very will never close. get there again. Let's be real. Fallout 4 is number four with 472,000. So half a mil, basically, which is a huge drop off again. And then number five is a game I've literally never heard of that currently has five people online as we talk about this is Postal with 412,000. I feel like this is I a bug. I cannot explain this. I feel like we've either missed a phenomenon or there's a bug here. So basically, I'm looking through the history of Postal and how many concurrent players it's had. Its peak in the last 10 years, or in the last seven years, was 628 people online in January 2018. With one exception, which was December 2019, where it had a peak player base of 412,063. And the month after, it was down to 42. I don't know what happened. It's a bug. It if has to game, be a bug. If it was a bug or if the game was free or if there was some sort of huge hype around big Twitch streamers playing it, drawing people into this game to play it for one month or whatever, this is weird. Like I can't I explain like this on this it, chart. It doesn't so make absurd. sense, though, for it to drop back down the next month. It has to be a bug. 
I, I don't understand. Like It has to be a bug. The, the graph looks absurd. It's like plus infinite percent in one month. And so then let's the just assume it's a bug. 100%. The real number five, which is technically sixth on this list, is Grand Theft Auto V with 364,000. Yeah, which is way more believable. Now, when I look it's at this so list, weird. I'm actually more surprised than anything. Not about CS. We can talk about the CS versus Dota thing in a second. But more so that the all-time peak for so many games on Steam is actually a lot lower than I thought it would be. A lot of the really popular games these days are just not on Steam. Like you talk about Fortnite, you talk about Apex, you talk about obviously any Riot-related game is going to be on their client. Uh, I'm sure Steam is still doing well because they take a percentage of literally every game. But to see PUBG is like by itself number one is a little concerning, I guess. But what are your thoughts on Dota versus CS:GO? The ever struggle to gain Gaben's twinkle of his eye. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know. I'm happy if both games are doing well. I think they're both great games and they deserve success. I don't need them to fight each other. I don't really care very much which one has more players right now. I care about Dota care? relative to not really. I care about Dota relative to itself, not relative to the rest of the games. I care about if we're trying to make our game better for ourselves. And if we're losing players to CS:GO, then at least we're losing players to a good game, right? It's more like what I want to focus on is how can we get Dota's numbers up again, not to steal them from CS:GO. I don't care if we're better than CS:GO. I mean, I, we're not. I want. That's, no, I, I don't disagree. We're not competing with CS:GO. They're completely uh, different genres. But yeah, um, to say that you don't care versus another game, you should. I mean, you're saying that you want the game to improve, mm-hmm. but what metric do you look at to understand whether that's working or not? Is to look at other Dota like relative your, to its own history. I think. That's the best metric history. I have. Because okay. the thing about CSGO, you don't know if Dota's players are lost to CSGO. CSGO might just be getting more popular no, 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 because no, no. Call okay. of Duty sucks. Let me, right? let me rephrase. Then, I'm, not talking I mean, about specifically, I'm not talking about specifically comparing it to CSGO. I'm just, mm-hmm. just talking about comparing it to literally every game. So right. Your benchmark is other games in general. Right. That's how I would look at it. But I understand My benchmark is Dota versus Dota. I think it's the best benchmark we have. Because it's hard to... <sighs> How to say this in a good way so genres like come and go and games fade in and out of popularity right so maybe a lot of players who played dota are playing something else and that game is going to suck in two months and a lot of them come back that means dota's numbers fluctuate even if dota did nothing right hmm. so there will be variants and there will be things changing all the time what we need to focus on is how can we make our game as good as possible for the people that like the game and don't want to quit the people that want to quit will find a reason to quit, right? Like, if you don't want to play the game, you're not going to. I've had plenty of video games I've played that I thought were super fun, and then suddenly one day I stopped playing for whatever reason because something else interests me more, right? So Dota shouldn't be like, fuck, CSGO has more players than us. That means it's a better game. Like, that's not the argument. Or whatever game you want to look at. It's about, it's okay if Dota doesn't ever reach its peak again. It's very natural that games do this. If you look over the list of games on the Steam list, all of them are below their peak except CSGO. It's the one game on their top 25 that has its peak right now. Every other yeah. game is lower. But if you, if you so, look at it, CSGO has been out for a while. I mean, Counter-Strike as mm-hmm. a game has been... Yeah. like I talked about being in beta 1. That was 1999. The fact mm-hmm. that it's hitting its peak now is crazy. That's insane. If you're just talking about it in a uh, vacuum. That is actually yes and insane. Yes no. 
because I think a big part of the reason CSGO is hitting insane numbers is that Corona is in full effect and people have time that they didn't used to before. And if you have a lot of time and you're like, I want to play a video game, I'm going to play what I played when I was younger. You're going to play the game that you remember. People I used also to play think it, it probably I got, I don't know how much of a boost, but it probably got a boost from Valorant as well because a lot of people cannot play Entirely Valorant possible. right now. Yeah. And that is Absolutely. the game everyone's suggesting yeah. to practice in to be able to be so, good. There's like multiple factors right now that are helping CSGO, which is great. I I don't really want to isolate that so much. It's more about like, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, how do we make Dota a better place for the players that want to play it? And how do we get them to have their friends play it because they want to and don't get discouraged? Uh, that's That's the main thing. Like, how do we get back to... I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Yeah, we've talked about it at length. So, so we, we don't, don't need to go into too much detail about it anymore. But yeah, this whole, I just, I'm being genuine when I say this whole game versus game, it really doesn't touch me that CSGO has more all-time peak now than Dota. It's I just not important, I think. See, I, you understand my perspective. I don't care specifically about Counter-Strike sure. beating us. It's more mm-hmm. the idea that Dota is less popular than other games now than it used to be. That's In a way, idea. for me, it's absurd to think about the fact that Dota has been bigger than CSGO this whole time. I think that in itself is crazy. Like, how does CSGO true. not have more players than Dota? It's an easier game. Tons of play- people played Counter-Strike back in the day compared to Warcraft 3. It was a much bigger game overall than Warcraft was, I think, at least. I mean, if they ported the later iterations of Source... I mean, I've talked about this before, but uh, I'm a bit of an old-schooler, Cinderin, when it comes to Counter-Strike... I think CSGO mm. compared to the later iterations of Source and 1.6 is objectively yeah. just a worse game in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that it's just more accessible now. It's free to play. It has like chests. It has all this has matchmaking. You didn't have that stuff back then. The only right. difference is now you have 64 tick servers for some fucking reason. Ah, I don't want to get right. into this shit again. But yeah, this too is angry. A, it's, an in, it's an interesting point though, right? Because what you just talked about was you took CS as a game and then you implemented some things that made it better. Sure, you did some things worse, but you made things better with matchmaking, with mm-hmm. you know all this stuff. That's what I want to focus on for Dota. How do we make Dota better? Because then our numbers can increase, even if it's the same game. It's about making it more fun for people. Yeah, not about right. like necessarily competing with others. Just make your own game good. That's you know what, what the first the start to that road is, Cinder, is getting rid of the spell amp from int the <laughs> move speed from agility and the magic resist from strength that is step number one my friends in a very I long am, novel i am super hopeful that something big happens this year with dota i'm actually really hopeful and i don't know if i'm naive i think a lot of people are going to call me an idiot for this and be like you know what valve doesn't care i genuinely think they're putting in a lot of effort to overhaul dota a bit right now and the reason i believe it is that I've seen what they have done with their communication and their changes in both Underlords and Artifact, and I think it's inevitably going to spill over into Dota a little bit. So there's going to be something happening that includes the community more, that uh, you know they've I'd also love to promised see? they're overhauling the new player experience, which has been promised more than six months ago. And that, to yeah. me, that I don't think they've given up on it and forgotten it. I think they're really trying to make it good. That's my optimist speaking. You know what I would so, love? Like this is we've talked again. I, we're not going to talk about mm-hmm. stuff that they can do to improve the game to help newer player. Blah blah blah. We've talked about so much. But right. one cool thing that you, you brought up the community interaction that, that they could do that I would fucking love. And I've actually I think I've emailed them specifically about this. Mm-hmm. Is having a community hero contest where they right. just get concepts from the community. They, that so heroes like Puck was like 
I think that's the most notorious or the fam- most infamous one. Infamous is yeah. the most famous. I don't know. Uh, Puck was a community made hero. I think maybe two out of the four skills are intact now versus what these. I can't remember. Yeah, but I think so. Something like I would that. like community has some crazy ideas for heroes. I think they over uh, complicate them sometimes because I've read many of them, but many of them are very cool ideas. And you're only coming out with two heroes a year anyway. Like, why not just involve <laughs> the community in some, or at least make them think like they're including them? I think you know? I think a lot of the hero designs that have come out in the last few years are old. Pangolier, Pangolier's ulti is so old that it got stolen into League of Legends. <laughs> Really? When League of Legends came out. So there's a hero in League of Legends called Ramus, and he has a regular spell, which is not an ulti, that curls him up into a ball and makes him roll. And that is literally an idea from the Play Dota forums from more than 10 years ago that oh, is now Pangolier. Okay. Right. That doesn't, so it's a really old the idea. There's okay. tons of old ideas from Play Dota that are starting to get ported in. And if you look at what's happening with some things in Dota, right? We're getting some of these neutral items that we've got in, right? Like the leveler is a. It's a discarded item from 10 years ago in Dota 1 that got re, you know, reimagined and put into the game again. So old ideas, I think when they need to put new stuff into the game, I think they're actually going back. I think they're thinking way back to old suggestions, whether it's from community members or beta testers or IceFrog's own ideas. And he's like, how can I put this in the game? So I don't think we're lacking ideas, but... Uh, the more community I mean, interaction, the better for me. I think it's great. Thing. Why not? If they're already doing that secretly, yeah. why not just make a contest out of it? I don't think it's really that sure. difficult. It right. just makes it more I, interesting I for everybody. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, just to round out this list that we were discussing before, just to give you guys an idea, 22nd on the list, so top 25 is Dota Underlords. I was a little bit surprised by that. Yep. Uh, with actually uh, 200,000 people. And then the game that <laughs> we talked about how PUBG is number one by far. Number mm. 10 on the list of all-time peak player base is PUBG test server <laughs> with 320,000. That is, is above Counter-Strike. <laughs> it's above 1.6. That is unbelievable. What the uh, hell? People were so excited so when that game first came out. Just changed everything, you know? Yeah. All right, anyway, moving on. Uh, we talked about this before, how Valve might want to market their games at some point. <laughs> To put it <laughs> bluntly, and uh, I believe it was Nikki was scrolling her phone on Twitter, and she got a Dota Underlords ad. Cinderin, it's like a little yeah. thirty-second video. It is from the Dota Underlords Twitter. Yes, the official one. So it the is official. Valve. So do you somebody think... hacked their Twitter? <laughs> yeah, definitely a mistake. It's not real. Um, so. This obviously works a little bit better for games like Underlords that are more mobile-based. Like, I could see Artifact it also working. Would this mm. make any difference for Dota, you think? To advertise it? To advertise it on... I mean, this is for specifically mobile, but mm-hmm. I guess we can open it up to general advertisement. Like, how much do you think it even helps for stuff like this? Okay, so I think this is what's going to happen. Okay, bold prediction. Okay. Valve are trying this with Underlords to see if they can notice any difference based on advertising a game on platforms. And they're advertising Underlords because it's mobile, it's easy to download and play, it's very beginner-friendly, super easy to get into for people. Based on what happens there, when they make their big overhaul to the new player experience, they're going to advertise it as a relaunch of the game that encourages new players to play. And then they're going to advertise that. 
they're actually going to try that. That's my prediction. They're going to advertise when the new player experience comes out. That's part of the package. It's trying saying, to get more people into the game. You're saying they're, they're basing it off of analytics of Dota Underlords. Valve are extremely data driven. We everybody we knows know that that, that yes. Valve are data driven. So I mean, if they run test runs fault? like this, there's good and bad things about it. Um, I'm I mean, just I, saying if they if they run a if they run a test on this and they can see zero difference. Let's say they market it aggressively. They're not right. This is pretty soft, and we don't know how much they've paid and how many people they're reaching with this campaign or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if they feel like there's a noticeable difference and it actually matters. That's super good because then they're going to try it on other games. That's my so, guess here. All right, I'm going to. So say I something. think the Dota, I think the Dota Underlords team and the Dota team talk because I think there's an overlap well, on who works on the games. Yes, of course. Whereas we've talked about sometimes CS:GO and Val- and Dota Two seem mm-hmm. like they work for different companies. Different companies entirely. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's less. This is my opinion, and. I don't know if this is actually true. Maybe we're just looking into it too much where we assume that Valve doesn't think mar- like advertising is works. Maybe mm-hmm. it's about like the way that I look at it is of course marketing works. Yeah. Other companies are doing it. Obviously it works mm-hmm. to some degree. The question is how right. do you do it in a way that makes it work for your game Profitable. specifically and obviously yeah. there's no right answer for that. I don't know. It's tough to say. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I think advertising for a game like Dota would be a mistake. Unless you had a new player experience. Right. I so, think that's the point here is that they're stepping into this area, but they're specifically not doing it for Dota yet. Right. And do we know if they've done it for CSGO? Could that also in part explain this peak? Have they started advertising CSGO anywhere? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe there's been some sort of campaigns running. I mean, it definitely uh, got a boost when they went free to play. So, that's the first right. thing. Which introduced yeah. a lot of cheaters, of course. Um, <laughs> that's another story entirely. Um, okay, so moving from uh, that to CSGO a little bit, it's now copying Valorant, which is oh dear hilarious because Valorant was copying CSGO, which we'll get into that in a second mm. as well. But there was a patch recently. This was, I want to say, less than a week after Valorant was uh, not mm-hmm. released, but released upon the world in terms of streaming at least. Uh, CSGO came out with a new feature where you can see other players' crosshairs when you're spectating them, and then mm-hmm. you can use their crosshair, like copy-paste their config or whatever it is for their right. actual crosshair, which is really cool, which is something I really liked in Valorant. Like, you see people, especially in Valorant, because you have a lot more settings to work with, they have, mm-hmm. like, the worst crosshairs, like, on purpose, like, ones that look like they were made in Minecraft or something, like, super <laughs> huge and obnoxious and just pixely. It's always hilarious to see that, but... CSGO now copying Valorant, Cinderin. We we talked about this the other week where we weren't even sure if they were going to bother, if they even cared about Valorant being successful. So what is your, what's your take on this? If you see something that's good and you think it's a good idea for your game and it's not copyrighted, I don't see a problem with it. Why not? People get inspired by each other all the time. It's like saying in Dota... Why are you guys starting to pick Omni Knight when our team picked Omni Knight? It's like, well, it's fucking work. So why wouldn't we pick Omni Knight and win? Like, you know, it's not like Riot owns the rights to having people have crosshairs. I'm pretty sure Valve has had that for a while. So just getting inspired and getting ideas is a part of every business and every part of life. You know, it's like, right. I don't know why this is a big deal that they're inspired by another game. It's this whole pride with our game is better than theirs or fuck Riot or whatever. You know, just own up to it. If they're doing something smart be happy it gets put in your game like i just i can't 
You know something else they could add to like, the game and copy Valorant on? It's 128 tick servers. Yeah, that would make a big that. difference. Please. That's a great fucking idea. Put it in the new player experience for CSGO. What a unique idea. <laughs> We've never seen that before. My goodness. Um, oh, this is a good segue into the, the whole Riot talk. So, uh, of course, we talked a little bit about Valorant and whatnot, but Riot has been known to not have unique ideas for the most part. Their games are based off of other games. There's no easy way to, there's no other way to really explain it. You have League of Legends, which is a copy of Dota. You have Teamfight Tactics, which is a copy of Auto Chess. And now you have Valorant, which is a copy of Counter-Strike and Overwatch. And it's not even just like a little bit. It's super, super blatant. And I'm not saying this is a negative. This is kind of what the conversation is going to be. But for Valorant alone, like we talked about this again, but a lot of it is 1.6 inspired, not just inspired, but it's like direct ports in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a, a couple maps that are almost exactly the same as CS maps, which nobody's really talking about. For those that have been playing, it's there's a map called Split, which I really hate. Uh, that's <laughs> my least favorite map. And it, if you look at the layout, it is almost exactly like Inferno. It's crazy how exactly the same it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, it's even more imbalanced in Inferno, but, um, where was I going with this? Oh, so, and then they, they have Overwatch stuff, which we talked about and it's not, again, it's not like it's inspired. There are some things that are exactly the same. The voice lines are almost as cheesy and exact. It sounds like I'm playing the same heroes in Overwatch. They have the same abilities right. in a lot of the cases, the wall, the res, the, like whatever the case may be, a lot of them are exactly the same. So. Riot has made a living off of copying other people's stuff. But is this a problem? Like, they get a bad rap from people like us a lot of the times, honestly. Mm -hmm. But does it matter at all? They're taking other um, people's ideas, but they're making them their own in a way. that Their games are popular. They're successful. It matters if it's against copyright laws. If not, it's called being inspired, right? It's... Inspired. To me, it's... To, I mean, to me, it's that simple. If... If CS, for example, if Valve have a problem with it and they want to sue Riot for stealing their maps, they can do that, right? Like, or stealing their property. But if it's within, I mean, I, I don't know what concept this is called, but you know, there's there's plenty of ways you can be inspired by others. And you could take Inferno and tweak some things and be like, oh, this is totally not Inferno. But then, like, where do you draw the line? When is it not Inferno anymore? And when is it Inferno? Is it mm -hmm. if you change all the textures, but the map layout is the same? Who owns the map? Like, what does, I don't know in a court of law what you can own in, in a video game. If you can own everything, if you can own the layout of the map, the textures, the whatever, right? Or if you can only own the look, which would mean technically somebody else could make the same map layout. Let's say I made a little mobile game right now and one of my maps is identical to Pac-Man. Does that mean it's a Pac-Man copy? If the gameplay is different and the map, mm. like everything in it looks different, but right. the exact map layout is a level of Pac-Man. Like, I don't feel like I would be in trouble for that. So, like, I just don't know where you would draw the line on this. I personally don't find it to be a problem. I think it's fine as long as it's within reason. If they start just full-on copying the game, we have a problem, right? That's piracy. That's, or, you know, that's copyright infringement. But assuming, unless Valve are doing something behind closed doors here where they're suing them for stealing or whatever, I mean, I guess if nobody is, if the companies don't complain, then they think it's fine, right? Mm -hmm. And they're the ones losing money on it or whatever. So, I don't know. To answer the question if being unique matters anymore okay. uh, and well, coming up with your own stuff? 
let's let's forget about it from a legal standpoint for a second. Let's just mm-hmm. assume everything's fine, okay. right? From like a fan base standpoint, do you mm-hmm. think it matters? Like, obviously, for people like us versus League of Legends, like there's an animosity. Then for Riot right. people, like Riot fans, they're gonna like the game no matter what. Let's talk about the people right. that are maybe outside of those two circles. Mm-hmm. Do you think? A company coming up with a completely unique idea, unique idea even matters anymore. It feels like so many games are just based off of other games at this point. Like Battle Royales have had a million of them, Auto Chess a million of right. them now. Everyone's just copying each other over and over. I think what matters the most to the game is is it fun to play? I think that trumps absolutely everything. Whether you reinvent an old version or re- release a re-release of a game, right? Like mm. Warcraft 3 Reforged. It was basically an updated copy of an old game and it wasn't people didn't like playing it and didn't think it was fun so it got nuked people fucking hated it and then you have other games that are basically reskins of old games like global offensive which is really successful so clearly uniqueness is not the key factor here it is is it implemented well is it fun is it interactive do people want to play it is it advertised well i think that's the second thing right because you can talk about these like 15 different battle royales but it's not a coincidence that the right or not the right ones but the ones that are big are big for a reason Mm. PUBG had an insane launch and they fucked up so now they're on seven per seven uh, sorry a seventh of the peak players they've had is what they have now on steam so Fortnite has been able to retain way better and it's because they made some better decisions but all in all, you could be like, isn't Fortnite and PUBG in many ways the same game? I mean, Fortnite has some different layers and PUBG has some different layers, but they're both battle royales. The overall game concept is the same. So did Fortnite steal the game from PUBG? And is it unfair that they are they tried to sue them, now? actually? <laughs> yeah. Well, they failed, right? They failed. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So that's one case where they tried, right? I just, I'm not an expert here. If it... To, let's it's say for the fans. A... Let's say for the fans. Okay, mm. I feel like I'm not answering your question very well. So, as you you mentioned the example of somebody who's a big Riot fan will play Riot no matter what, and if you're a big Dota fan, you're gonna resent play Dota, games for whatever not reason. Valve. Yeah, you're gonna play Dota. Dota, right? <laughs> you're gonna play Dota. Um, so for everybody else, if you're if you try to put on the hat of somebody who never played Dota before, you're like, I want to play a new video game. You're going to look for something to play with your friends or something that appeals to you genre-wise and something that you're going to play for one or two hours and you're going to be like, this is fun or it's not. Mm-hmm. That's probably Dota's biggest problem in reaching a player base is that the vast majority of people that try it for the first time get overwhelmed and are like, I'll play something that's more fun and more easy to get yeah. into. And then there's a hardcore player base that loves getting drawn to challenging games and they're going to fucking love this game. And they're the ones you want to retain, right? Uh I love complex games. I love being challenged in games. That's why I like Dota. That's a big part of why I love this game. Right. Uh, is that it's constantly challenging and you're learning all the time. It's like an ever-going process that you're never done with. That's awesome. Uh, I love replayability in games that I feel like I always have something to do. Um, but we're outliers in this whole system. We the are. vast majority of people are casual and don't want to play thousands of hours in the game. So they're going to look for us at fun. And so, you know what? You watch Valorant, you're like, this looks fun. Like, oh, I remember playing Counter-Strike, but this looks like it's got a little bit more flair to it. I'll try it. You know, there you go. If they're having fun in their first three hours, they might play it for 500 hours. So some money. this isn't going to make sense to a lot of the people in that are watching or listening that are maybe a lot younger than me, but maybe you can relate to a degree. 
where mm -hmm. I feel like the industry has changed a lot. Like, let's forget about how esports has mm -hmm. grown. Let's just talk about a video game perspective here and how much right. has changed. I feel like back in the day, there was the occasional, like, you'd have more unique ideas consistently in mm -hmm. games. And graphics seemed to just matter a lot more as well. Like, each year, graphics would get better. People would be really excited. Like, I remember the right. first Crisis when it came out was a big deal, even though it wasn't a popular game. Just the fact that you can make a game look so good was very right. important. And now it's changed to where their unique ideas don't occur very often. And when they do, there's just like 10 to 15 to 20 studios just copying it completely and trying mm -hmm. to make their own version of it more popular. And then graphics just seem to not matter at all anymore. It's like, if anything, graphics have gotten worse in a lot of ways. Like games like Minecraft, it's the most popular game in the entire world. You know? I think it's interesting how things have changed so, like, flip flopped in the perspective, mm -hmm. at least from back in the day. For me, I've always thought graphics were overrated. That's just my personal perspective, that I value gameplay over everything. It's not to say that graphics don't matter at all, because they do. If Dota looked like absolute shit, it would be less enjoyable. It looks good, which is great. It could look better. I don't think that would add very much to the game. Um, I think the thing that has probably happened with graphics and studios as well is that they might have realized that this is not necessarily a good return on investment. Like if people's enjoyment with games and what is the most fun to them is mainly connected with gameplay, then putting the biggest amount of your budget into gameplay and making the graphics good is way better than putting a shitload of effort into making the graphics amazing and then sacrificing gameplay. On the bottom line, let's say your game costs the same, but people have less fun with it and it's buggy. It looks amazing, but it's buggy. Mm -hmm. Then they're, you're going to lose your players. So to me, it's super healthy. I, I think, I think if, if studios are focusing mainly on gameplay, that's great. I mean, to no, me, I that's agree. what's fun about games. If you think about like play, the old games, though, even just think about like the iterations. Awesome. If the game plays fun, it's great. Quake 1 to Quake 2, Quake 2 to mm -hmm. Quake 3. Like talking about huge jumps in graphics, right? Maybe it's more about uh, becoming more efficient with like the engine and whatnot, and it's less graphically intensive. Maybe it's, like you said, the investment is just not worth trying to get to that next level when the gameplay is just more important. But like the gameplay between, I'm not saying they were, weren't different, but the, the leaps weren't there at all, right? In terms of gameplay, like right. Quake 3 was, uh, or Quake 4 specifically actually is a great example. That was not a popular game and the graphics were much better. So you can see the perspective and the priorities have changed a lot from both I consumer and devs. In addition, a second benefit you have by not going too hard on graphics is that more people can run your game. So yep. if you have insane minimum requirements for your game, you're already cutting out a big percentage of your market because they can't afford to run your game. And there's a good chance that if it's extremely intensive and insane graphics that you've probably put a lot of funding into that, so your game will be more expensive. That means you also lose customers that feel like this video game costs too much. So I just... I'm guessing that's what has happened over the last five years, that these big studios have tried these different models and they've just realized this is what works. And there's so many success examples that you can look to. Like, can you mention a game right now off the top of your head in the last five years that was massively successful strictly because of its graphics? There's not a single game for me that comes to mind. Uh, no. Where people were like, holy shit, this is the most beautiful game I mean, ever. I'm playing it because it looks I wouldn't beautiful. say it's popular, but the first thing that comes to mind is the new Battlefield, I guess, because of RTX, which mm -hmm. ended up running like absolute garbage. Like you get 30 FPS 
at the cost of it looking really good. But I wouldn't call Battlefield a super popular game these days. I think it's gone super downhill, considering they come out with a new freaking game every two years for whatever reason. That's probably, probably the closest I can think. But yeah, mm-hmm. it just doesn't matter as much anymore. I don't know. I mean, it's clearly a selling point. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It does. Uh, the, the best or the big titles that have a big budget will obviously care about graphics. That's why, especially the releases that go on uh, both PlayStation and PC, some of the, some of the big releases um, do care a lot about their graphics. I just, to me, it's never the carrying element. It's always a compliment. It's like if you have a 9 out of 10 gameplay experience, the 10 out of 10 can be that last, you know, the eye candy is what makes it brilliant. But you can't make a beautiful game with shitty gameplay. It will never be good. It doesn't matter how good it looks because it's just not fun. Then you could watch a movie instead. <laughs> right? Like, then you could watch a movie that looks amazing. Unless uh, you're you and you don't watch movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you just play something else that isn't a movie. I'm um, going to talk to Gabe and make yeah. sure that Dota goes down for a few hours <laughs> during a certain day to make sure you can uh, watch what you need to watch. Else. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get to our Patreon mailbag, Cinderman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two different questions that are kind of interlinked from our Discord. Uh, would you like to take it? Sure. Uh, I'll read them out one at a time, and then we'll answer them kind of together because I think it's a good like combination uh, mm-hmm. to answer. So the first question was from Teddy, saying, uh, "Question: Do you find that there are multiple pauses every game that last way too long? I swear, people disconnect to do other stuff just because the pausing is so lenient." If it was more strict, like CS, maybe we would see less of it. What do you think? And then the second question from FH Andre is, uh, thanks for the idea. Would you think tactical pauses would be a good idea for the game? For example, a two-minute pause during idle time every 20 minutes to decide future builds, decide who's going to carry each neutral item, etc. So I'm going to try to give my perspective on these combined. I feel the str- most strongly about the second question. But um, mm-hmm. overall, the first one... Uh, if you made pausing a little bit more strict, it's um, to me, it's, um, it's a risk-reward kind of thing. If you make pausing more strict, you punish people more if they have unstable connections and just have bad luck. One of the things I like about Dota is that your ISP can fuck you over for five minutes and you still don't lose the game. In League of Legends, if you disconnect, there's no pausing. At least there wasn't years ago. Uh, I don't know if they've changed anything about that. But <laughs> okay, that it, could be horribly it, outdated, but sure. <laughs> it could be. It was this way for years, though. So I'm positive okay. about that, that you there was no pausing. So if people disconnected, you were just playing without that player, which mm. I think that's like the extreme other end of the scale, which I think is terrible. Pausing should be in the game because, you know, shit happens. Something, have someone's at the door or your connection goes down, whatever it is. Have like, you had issues, though, with pauses? I feel like I, based on my playing experience, it hasn't um, really been that big of an issue. It People varies. Like some days, I feel like every game has two pauses. The thing that would be like, you can always give people the benefit of the doubt, but I know in the back of my mind that half the time the game is paused in the start is because someone's about to have a fucking cigarette, you know? Like, mm. and that's like, you know, do I feel like we should be paused for that? No. I feel like if you need a cigarette, you go smoke and then you queue after. That's my opinion. But, you know, whatever. Wow. If that's people, a novel if idea that's, you got there, Cinderin. Yeah, it's actually unbelievable. <laughs> uh, don't waste other people's time with that or pick your hero first and then go smoke you know if you really need to have a smoke then you got to have your right. smoke but whatever um i think a lot of sm- a lot of pauses are s- smoking related that's like a-, a quick thing you need to do. or go to the bathroom you know whatever it is and that's fine um if the pauses should be more strict uh 
I haven't had too many problems, if I can be honest, but I get that it can be frustrating, especially if you hit a streak of games where it feels like people are pausing all the time and you're like powerless to to stop it. Like you can resume every once in a while, but of course his team is going to pause again. So you go into this like cycle of three minutes of just pausing, right? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too fussed. If if they made it a bit stricter, I wouldn't mind. Uh, but I don't think it's necessary. Now the other question I feel way more strongly about, and I have a very good argument about this. I think so. This has been suggested in the past that we put tactical pauses into Dota, and I think um, the game that was mainly referenced for it was actually Counter Strike. Uh, in CS:GO, you can call tactical timeouts in competitive CS:GO uh, and discuss it. And there's a really clear reason why that works well in CS and not in Dota, in my opinion. CS is round-based, and that means there's a natural pause in the game every round. So the flow of the game is always going to be interrupted either way, and therefore it's very natural to say, okay, this has just happened, we're resetting. If you want to compare it to, let's say, uh, physical sports, let's compare it to handball, when a goal has been scored and you call a timeout, it's kind of like the, the play is reset when a goal gets scored. The defending team has the ball, and now they need to make a move, right? So if you call a timeout there, it's kind of the same in NFL, right? Where you can also, there's a little bit of a borderline with like icing the kicker and shit, but for the most part, calling timeouts in American football, it's also a turn-based game. It has interruptions in play. Dota doesn't. Dota is, start to finish is a fluent experience that doesn't have downtime. So a big part of the game and a big part of what makes the game unique and interesting is that it's a constant, it's like a story being told where everything is developing all the time. And every time you interrupt it, it breaks the story for the players and for the fans. I think fans would hate it personally. Yeah. Like they just want to watch the fucking game. And in CSGO, oh. people put up with it way more because it's easier to spin a narrative. Okay, we're going to change the strategy. There's a little bit of a break while they're buying the Well, there's also anyway ma- stuff, some right? major differences where so. Counter-Strike is much more momentum-based. So hyping up your team makes a bigger difference, I would argue. Much bigger difference mm-hmm. in a game that's FPS-related, more Twitch-related. Um, and like you said, there's just less breaks. And like Dota is a long enough game as it is. Holy shit. Counter-Strike, some of the games can go long. It doesn't feel long, you know, because there's mm-hmm. constant action. There's, it's round-based. It just resets and you go again. Where Dota, you can have 20 minutes. Like we had a game today where almost nothing happened for 20 minutes during the game. Like I might as well not even commentating, for God's sake. That's just the nature <laughs> of the game. Uh, so I think, yeah, tactical pause. Plus, you could if you abuse them, it becomes way right. worse than this is the other final, scenarios. And I think this is honestly the strongest argument out of all of them. Because you could be like, the game is fluent and whatnot. But if you give teams the power to pause, it can be extremely manipulated. Like, let's say you're smoking, and your smoke breaks outside the Roche pit, and you instantly pause. Mm-hmm. Now you can deduct where the enemy team is. You can plan your course of attack. And they don't know you're there because you were smoked. So now you have a huge advantage that in real time you can't convert because things happen too fast. It makes the game extremely superficial. I mean, it doesn't, would it doesn't there even feel... be rules for like pausing in the middle of a fight? Well, like, yeah, we... exactly. How, would you, how do you enforce it? Like, What's the rule? You can't pause when you're within a thousand range of a hero. Who the fuck knows if they're within a thousand range of a hero? Imagine like, if it was allowed and you just heard... in the middle of a fight, all right, tactical like, pause. Yeah. I mean, we've seen right. it before by accident, you know. It has happened because somebody disconnected and it impacts the outcome of a fight. Oh, and yeah. It sucks. I mean, it's just this kind of, you know, this like this fairness codex among the pro scene that if somebody disconnects, it fucking sucks. It could happen to you next time. We're going to accept it and move on and we'll play that fight with a player disconnected. There's a pause when everybody gets to analyze the situation and inevitably one team will be favored more than the other by this happening. 
maybe the fight would have been a 4-0 if there was no pause, and maybe now it's a 2-2 because they can plan exactly who they're going to target. And it fucking sucks, right? It broke the the real play of the game. It made it fake, kind of, and you just have to deal with it. Uh, the alternative, however, is even worse, that somebody disconnects and you're just like, oh, well, you guys are fucked. Too bad, you know? Yeah. You lost. Uh, that's worse. So it's like the lesser evil. But yeah, that's why pauses don't work in Dota. I, I th- if you want to implement it, the only way I can imagine tactical pausing in Dota is that you're allowed to pause at the start of the game when the heroes are in base. And you're like, teams have two minutes to talk about how they want to lane, how you want to place your heroes, how you want to buy your items, and then you go. Uh, Dota kind of already has that built in, though, because when you pick in captain's mode, there's time in the beginning of the game before you pick your heroes. And I then mean, after you pick your heroes, there's a loading screen. And then there's one and a half minutes until the horn. So, like, you know. But even got, during the game, if you got, die, you're dead for, like, let's say a minute because it's mid to late game. You still have time to think mm-hmm. and strategize. It's not like there's you're sure, just constantly doing shit. Usually other players are playing in the game. It's unless you're fully team wiped, right? Unless you're fully team wiped, somebody's well, I meant attention from like an, is divided. From a, right? Well, yeah. If you're talking about like a team meeting, sure. I'm talking about like from an individual standpoint. Like if your coach, or not coach, your mm-hmm. your leader, your in-game leader dies, he right. can you know assess things as he's stuck sure. in fountain. You know, absolutely. I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I don't think it's good either. Uh, but yeah, thank you for the question. Uh, questions in this case, Patreon supporters, and I believe we have come to the end of the episode, Cinderman. Um, yeah. I believe we're yeah. releasing this at the same time as always. I mean, we'll see. Things can always change. Don't quote yeah. me on that. But uh, have you seen in Bruges, Cinderin? No. Thank you so much. One year officially now, by the way. Last week doesn't count. Uh, you didn't ask me the first week. Wait, what week did I... All right, now I need to investigate. We're going to have to have the one year in Bruges anniversary <laughs> <laughs> episode whenever that is. Uh, we'll figure that out post... Uh, post episode okay thanks for watching everybody until next time suns fan cinder and signing out goodbye we say things that don't mean anything but thanks for listening